you know, we're largely back in the office now. Uh, that didn't happen even for us. That didn't happen naturally. We had a moment where people were saying, well, but I'm personally more productive being at home. And, and this was not expressed callously or without feeling, but our ultimate answer is we really don't care how productive you personally are. We are better together as a team when we're in proximity of one another. When you're in a big room like that with everybody, help arrives without it being asked for. Doesn't happen very often or, or uh, very easily in a virtual only environment. Hey everybody, I am Elizabeth Swan. And I'm Tracy O'Rourke, and we're from the Just In Time Cafe, and welcome to our podcast. At the cafe, we ask tough questions, we talk to groundbreakers, we discuss great books, and we get insight from Lean Six Sigma practitioners who are making a difference in the world. We let you in on helpful apps, we bring you the news, and we challenge the status quo so you can build your problem-solving muscles. So Elizabeth, what is on the cafe menu today? Tracy, today's highlight is our interview with our buddy, Rich Sheridan, the CEO and Chief Joy Officer at Menlo Innovations. Rich's ingeniously lean incognito workplace sparks joy in all who enter. We know that, we've entered it. Uh, we'll find out how Menlo weathered COVID and what he's got in store for us as an upcoming keynote for an AME's international conference in Cleveland starting October 30th, where you and I will be. Um, for hot apps, we'll continue our AI exploration. And this time we're looking for help with project presentations. So we're going down that road. And for Q&A, we'll delve into the praise paradox. We all wanna be acknowledged, but we don't often see ourselves as the source of praise for others. So what are some root causes and what can we do about it? It's a pre-Halloween cafe, Tracy. <laughs> My favorite kind, the pre-Halloween and the Halloween. Up next, it's hot apps. We are continuing to mine the recent offerings in artificial intelligence. And this month's focus is slides.ai. Uh, slides is Google's alternative to PowerPoint. Uh, presentation software and slides.ai is a Chrome extension you can access for free if you've got a Google email and use Chrome as your browser. And the AI means it will create presentations for you based on your prompts. So once I got it installed, I got a note from Google and it said they want to give me some tips. And they said, you know, you got to put in long text. You can't just say, create a presentation on economics. You got to give it something to work with. So it's got a, it's got like a 350 uh, character limit it can use. You can select from different themes, customize all the fonts and colors. Uh, it's got tabs. Uh, you can search for images. It's got uh, extensions, under extensions where now Slides AI will live. It's got something called Magic Write. And the images are sourced from a royalty-free website, so no copyright restrictions. And then you can export your presentations as PDFs or PowerPoints. Um, 
And uh, so I took a blog I wrote, you know, on the power of praise. And Tracy and I are going to touch on that in the Q&A segment. And I put it in, gave me a slideshow, gave me a theme, gave me a look, gave me eight slides based on the blog. Um, Even while it was creating the slides, it gave me this mini tutorial about how to put alternative images in there, which is kind of cool. That was magic, right? And then uh, looking at the slides, it said, you know, it was, I was looking at an image, it put fish swimming in a coral, into coral. And I realized, I was like, why did it put fish swimming in coral? When I was talking about praise and I, the title of the slide was barriers to praise. So I think it was going for barrier reef. <laughs> I don't know what happened when you tried it, Tracy. Well, like you, Elizabeth, I put some stuff in that I have been working on. And it's funny because uh, mine was uh, joyful journeys the you know, unleashing the power of joy with continuous improvement. So I had power in there too, which I thought was interesting, but I had some, some notes that were on one of my slides. So I wanted to see what it came up with. And you know, I mean, I think I wasn't totally impressed with what was given, I'll be honest, but, you know, considering me, I mean, this is what I do all the time, right? I'm always looking at presentations. I'm always crafting presentations, webinars. I'm always, that is my space. That's my jam. As a matter of fact, I actually sometimes reserve building PowerPoint presentations in the afternoon because it comes so easily to me uh, where things are harder and I'm trying to get those harder things done in the morning, like writing is, is harder for me. It comes easier for you. So um, I can see where this can be really helpful for people. Uh, when I put mine in, it was interesting to kind of see what, what designs. And I was actually, the designs were pretty simple for the slides. And it was interesting to look at the images that it was showing as well. And I thought, okay, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a starting point if I needed a starting point. So I think it's great for an audience that needs help with this, but because I, it's not that I don't need help. It's just that it just comes very easily to me. Um, So I I felt like it wasn't helping me that much, but I could see if someone was really nervous and we do, we get people in Greenbelt presentations that are very nervous. They don't present very much and they need a little more help with this. So so I think I can see the draw. And I, I think for some, it could be really helpful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it gave me a starting point that I could work with. And you know, some of the images were kind of interesting. That's a good reflection. The reality is that we are pros. This is not something we need help with. But we do deal with people a lot who do need help with it, right? Yes. Part of when we teach people in process improvement, what they may ha- may or may not have is skills in some of the apps that go with it, right? Excel, Excel, you kind of have to use that to crunch numbers and create charts and graphs. And we get people that are on a sliding scale of never touched it to, yeah, I could, you know, run pivot tables for you and, and I'll teach everyone in the class, which I love. Um, but then same with PowerPoint, right? It's just not their comfort zone. They're not used to it. So you could take a description of what you want to put in there for your project. And it is a jump start. I think that's really the good word you use. It's a starting point. And 
it's got, you know, an upgrade, right? If you want to get more descriptive with what you put in that, that you could go up to 10 bucks a month and have, you know, a much bigger input area than the 350 words I put in. Definitely yeah. needs polish, but it could jumpstart. So yeah. a funny note, when I when I agreed to it, I don't know if you remember this, but I read the fine print. Usually I don't, but it was like, what are you agreeing to when you download this? And it said, you're giving Slides AI permission to delete your presentations. And a piece of me went, it can't really mean that. But, you know, I thought, well, <laughs> I'm going to go through it. But it did shock me. And then I got a letter afterward, an email afterwards saying, don't be alarmed by that. You know, it just means that, you know, it's going to be working with the presentation that you're working on, that you it can delete and help you with things in that particular presentation. But it, I was thinking, well, why don't you change the verbiage there so you don't have to do this rework loop of then allaying fears after the fact? Because you might lose some folks who just see that little message and go, yeah, no way. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but you, you have to be an active participant. Um, Yes. But it gives you lots of non-copyrighted images, things like that. But you got to feed it, right? You got yes. to give it care and feeding. And I, I, I'll give it one last positive, And that is I did put in notes for three slides. And it basically said, here are the five points. And I was like, oh, it came up with five points in that. Okay. Well, that, so that was cool. So I hadn't really looked at it as I was trying to give five points. And uh, so I thought that was... Uh, you know, a good ad. I thought, oh, I should probably, you know, maybe I should expand on one of these a little bit more, or maybe I should have, you know, two slides versus one for all the stuff that I was going to say on that slide. So that was helpful. So I'd say the net takeaway for both of us is great for beginners. And if you not, you need jump starts on your uh, presentations. I'm Elizabeth Swan, and you're listening to the Just In Time Cafe podcast. In a short while, you'll get to hear our interview with Rich Sheridan. Today, we're discussing the praise paradox. We all want to be acknowledged, and yet Gallup show, polls show that 40% of employees report receiving recognition just a few times a year or less. God, that's just very, very shocking. You know, and as you pointed out in our last podcast, Tracy, even when people say they don't need acknowledgement, what they're really saying is they don't want to have to ask for acknowledgement. So we all want praise, but we're not all giving praise. Hence the praise deficit. And praise deficits can have a catastrophic consequence, right? We both work in healthcare and Gallup meta-analysis found that receiving recognition for praise for good work in the past seven days is related to significant decreases in patient safety incidences, you know, incidents. So that shocked me, right? It shouldn't, but it's like, oh, this impacts how you feel at work and how you feel about the work that you do. You know, and from the same uh, Gallup article, when recognition hits the mark, employees are five times as likely to be connected to the company culture four times as likely to be engaged and engaged employees are more productive, involved and enthusiastic about the workplace. So Tracy, why do you think we fail to praise people? Well, you know, this wouldn't have been my response a year ago, but I am in an organization, I'm helping an organization right now that the, there is a huge praise deficit. People are starving for praise. Mm. But what I've also noticed is 
they're so focused on receiving praise that that they forgot if you want something you need to also you have to reciprocate and, and so to me it's if you want more praise then start praising others more and guess what that is sometimes a natural thing right if you praise somebody what i tend to find is people actually do praise back they go well thank you for that and you know what i want to also say that you're awesome right and so to me why 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 not be the fuel for that as opposed to just you know pointing out the the deficit so it's sort of like that whole man in the mirror <laughs> right like take a look are you praising people too and if you're not start because if that's what you really want to promote, and I don't know, I think that could help. Um, but I do agree with you. I think, you know, there, I, I think there, I was, as you were talking, Elizabeth, I was thinking in my head, a few people that I know are very good at praise. They are just one of these people where, you know, that's just how they come across. They're very uh, appreciative, humble, grateful, appreciating others. And they're just wonderful people and you want to be around them. Yeah. Um, no, I think a bunch of things happened because of these, the, the uh, two blogs I put out there. And one was a colleague of ours, Jeff Toyster said he felt like the lack of praise had something to do with the negativity bias. And the negativity bias for me was always the fact that, you know, you and I have taught workshops and we would generally give, you know, evals sheets to students or participants in the workshops. And you could get like 24 glowing reports of how, what an impact you had on them. But if one person had one negative feedback or one, you know, thing that would be good to change, that's all you'd think about. <laughs> it didn't matter how much good was being thrown at you. So that's where I saw the negativity bias, but he was sort of broadening it saying, well, if what we're picking out is the negative, we're less inclined to see the positive, right? And so that was something I was thinking about. Um, and then other input around, you know, sometimes people feel like, well, people should know they're doing a great job, right? Why do I have to point it out? They they should know it. Or I praised them last month. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like just sort of what are all the things that go through your mind? Or or nobody ever praised me. Like there's a lot of different things I've heard about, or it feels awkward. I hear that a lot, you know, it feels awkward. Um, and then what really struck me, I, uh, don't know this person, Dr. Anna Kernicki Sklar, she's an emergency physician. Um, she said, uh, I think this issue has played a significant role in the problems we're currently experiencing with burnout and attrition, especially since the majority of the physician workforce are now employees of hospitals, healthcare corporations, and medical staffing companies who focus on productivity metrics and don't recognize or reward other behaviors like advocating for patients or taking requisite time to properly care for them. And that really struck me because we work with healthcare organizations in particular UC San Diego Health and they institute huddle boards. And one of the focal points on the huddle board is recognition, right? So as a daily huddle, they're recognizing people. So, you know, making it frequent, making it daily. And that's what I found as one of the antidotes is you've got to make it frequent. You've got to do it daily, you know, weekly, right? Do not think this is something that, hey, once a month, going to throw somebody a bone, right? You got to be always watching 
and seeing people do good and be specific. Don't say, hey, good job. What was good about it, right? Tell someone exactly what was good, reward that behavior such that they know, oh, that's good. I got to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing that. So, mm-hmm. so much in this, Tracy. Yes. So and, much. and I'll just add one other thing too. And that is, so we talk about one of the things we talk about with coaching is, you know, obviously you're always asking questions to be a good coach, but sometimes people really do ask, what is your feedback on this? And they want you to give feedback. And we tell people to practice the plus Delta, right? So, you know, practice identifying something positive to say or positive that they've done and the, then and then share maybe what could be changed. Make sure it's at least balanced, although they do say that there should be a higher ratio of positive than negative. I don't have any studies to, I know that there's studies out there, but I don't have any studies to reference on that at this moment. Well, for that one, I'd come back to what Jeff said about the negativity bias. If we're constantly focusing on the negative, then I think to your point, we've got to up the quotient of the positive. Yes. So during these sessions, because I've done quite a few of them now, sometimes I get someone saying, well, I'm really not good at the positive. So I don't want to be fake. And I'm like, not asking you to be fake. (laughs) I'm telling you to be authentic. Find something positive that's real. Like, don't make it up. (laughs) Right. But I mean, that's important. Like, I don't want you to fake it but you do need to try to find something positive. Otherwise it is going to come across that you're always focusing on the negative because it's true. Yeah. And maybe, (laughs) maybe, you know, you don't like what they're doing, but they're wearing a nice shirt. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Someone just said that to me recently. They're like, wow, that's a really nice shirt. And I tell you that actually lifted my mood. You know, it wasn't anything about what I was doing, but Hey, praise comes in many forms. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, and it, it gets easier the more you do it. You start to recognize positives. So anytime, you know, when I hear Greenbelts giving me a draft of their presentation as they're doing it, I have a piece of paper to my, you know, right on my table. And I just, I literally draw a line down the middle and I put plus Delta. And as they're taking us through the presentation, I'm actually writing on both sides. So it's a good visual for me oh shoot, I've listed four deltas. I haven't come up with a positive yet because there are positives ideally. I mean, like there hasn't really been, it's been a very, very long time where I couldn't find anything that was good, right? Like you just have to look for it. You have to train yourself to look for it and um, you'll get better at it as you do it more. Oh no, Tracy, you are. Nice shirt, Elizabeth. Thank you. (laughs) I was waiting for that. Yeah, good on you too, Tracy. I like like your top. no, I think you are a positive beacon, Tracy. So it's funny to me. It's funny for me to hear you say you, you, you know, practice it to get better at it, but you actually do. So do I. And it's, it makes a difference. Get good at this because you're not the only one that wants it. You know, you want praise and recognition. So does everyone else. And workplaces work better if people do that. Right. So it's, um, yeah, it's it seems simple, but there's there's some things working against us. Some of it's in neuroscience, but um, I say you know start practicing now. Mm-hmm. I'm Tracy O'Rourke, and you're listening to the Just in Time Cafe podcast. We host these monthly, so you can go to www.jitcafe. That's J-I-T-C-A-F-E dot com and go to our podcast page.
Coming up next, it's our featured guest, Richard Sheridan. Tracy, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Rich? I would absolutely love to. I mean, what can I say about Menlo Innovation CEO, Rich Sheridan? He's an incredible person who truly enjoys his life and his work. I mean, it really does show that he has this just contentness about him. He's He is just joy. He really is. I mean, it's, it's actually a totally appropriate um, chief joy officer, <laughs> one of his books. But it wasn't always like that. In the middle of his career, Rich Sheridan became disillusioned in the chaotic technology industry. He had an all-consuming thought. Things have to be better. They can get much, much better. And he had to find a way. So why couldn't a workplace be filled with camaraderie, human energy, creativity, and productivity? Ultimately, Rich co-founded Menlo Innovations in 2001 to end human suffering in the workplace. His unique approach to custom software creation and so surprisingly different that 3,000 people a year travel from around the world just to see how they do it. And we are psyched to have him at the JIT Cafe. Well, hello, Richard. It is so nice to see you again, and welcome to the cafe. How are you? Great, Tracy. Good to see you. Good to see you, Elizabeth. Wonderful to be with you today. Um, it's awesome. And both Tracy and I still reference what we learned, I don't know, 100, 104 years ago, touring Menlo Innovations with you, Jeffrey Liker, and Karen Ross. Um the incredible visuals that kept the company's mission front and center showcased where people were in terms of leadership and salary, um, exactly where everyone was in terms of project development. Um, it was like a lesson in extreme transparency. And to this day, when clients balk at spending time doing morning stand-up huddles or meetings, I describe how you guys did it with 75 employees in 15 minutes. So if you can do that, anyone can. <laughs> um, and Great. so, a, yeah, a lot has changed uh, since we last had you at the cafe. So two books later and a global pandemic. Um, can you describe some of the things that kept Menlo intact during our sort of dark period? Yeah, well, um, we went from our best year ever in 2019 and 2020 started off on the exact same trajectory. And then of course, as all of us know, the world changed like that. And uh, 2020 saw our revenues drop by 60%. Uh, I always say when you think, wouldn't it have been neat if the pandemic was the one thing in 2020 we had to deal with? But there were so many things, uh, including the economic hit that the pandemic represented. And so, um, number one, we had to adapt like crazy uh, because, as you know, having been here, we are an in-person team, uh, close collaboration, uh, working shoulder to shoulder in one big open room, sharing a keyboard and a mouse. Um and uh, then all of a sudden, 100% remote. And uh, it was remarkable to watch the team adjust for that. I will simply say they adjusted way faster than I did. Um, and um, 
you know, and I think the basis for that ability to adapt that quickly was based on all the work we had done the previous 19 years on communication, collaboration, trust, teamwork, relationships, empathy for each other, uh, and this ability to run the experiment, to try new things as quickly as possible, see how they work. And, um, you know, we gathered the team together before we sent them all home because we knew the economic effects were already present. We had big clients shutting down projects just like that. And so we told them, we don't know where this is going to go. We don't know how deep it's going to go. We don't know how long it's going to last. And so we very quickly set up, set up a five-step process to get back to thriving again. And um, we told them we're going to have to do what we have to to survive, because if we don't do that, none of it matters. Uh, we will have to adapt, of course, like everybody else did. We will have to get to some point of sustaining over a long period of time. Because again, uh, I thought the pandemic, probably like most people, was going to last about eight weeks. Uh, I still believe that's true. I think eight weeks from today, the pandemic will be over. Um, and uh, then uh, the big part of the work is to emerge stronger. That was actually inspired by Patrick Lencioni. He did a conference about that time on that very subject, said, look, big crisis, there will be companies that die, of course. There will be companies that live, but it's the companies that choose to emerge stronger that will jump out of the uh, economic impact of the pandemic and will thrive again. And I'm happy to report our best year ever, 2022, and 2023 is tracking about 10% ahead of 2022. So we might be, wow. again, two best years in a row. And... Um, and I will simply say that future was nowhere near certain during that pandemic year. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, I, I agree with you, Richard. I mean, COVID has, watching people adjust to, that was super interesting to me is watching how organizations reacted to to COVID. Some completely failed, you know, to, you know like it broke them. And then others actually just, you know, they were super agile. They were able to adjust accordingly. And I think, you know, what you said about your team, I think is wonderful. And at the same time, you have a healthy culture. I'm not surprised that their agility uh, helped them uh, make a change. So now that you're on this side, first of all, you have a new office, which looks amazing. So tell us a little bit about that. But I also want to know, what were some of the unexpected changes that happened that is maybe maybe makes Menlo different now? Yeah, we have moved. We're just about a block and a half west downtown Ann Arbor from where we used to be. But delightfully, as you well know, we are now up to natural light. <laughs> uh, we spent 10 years in the basement of a parking structure with no windows to the outside world. So we are delighted to have floor to ceiling, south facing windows. Uh, and on a beautiful day in Ann Arbor, like today, we're getting all kinds of sunshine in, which is delightful. In answer to your second question, um, I found, and I think the team right with me, found that we actually got closer together during the pandemic, or maybe best put, we learned a lot more about each other. We're now peeking into the homes of people. You know, as you probably recall, we've had dogs and babies at Menlo over our long 22-year history. Um, but what we discovered, probably like everybody else, is there are so many cats of Menlo. 
<laughs> because for some reason, cats just love to get between their owners and the Zoom screens. And that tail's going by. And so we learned the names of the cats. And we learned why those names were important to the to the Menlonians that named them. And uh, we learned about uh, the pictures that were painted on Josh's basement walls and uh, heard stories about his grandfather who painted them and stories of a life well lived. Um, Pop Pop here got to bring one of the Menlo grandbabies to the office because I was down with my daughter at one point and just could hold up this little this little baby. And, um, you know, so uh, I think that ability to learn more about our humans than, you know, than I think we are willing to share when we're in an office space. We just don't learn that. You know, we don't learn the bigger picture life. But when you're peering right into their homes, seeing what books they have on the wall and who else might be wandering around with them, uh, whether children or or significant others, uh, you just get to know them a little bit better than you did when they were in the office. That's a nice description that you get this window. And uh, clearly people weren't blurring their backgrounds. We're putting up screens like Tracy and I did. So, <laughs> um, But one thing I think about when I look at your windows now, this bright office, and what struck me about the basement when we toured that was just the incredible abundance of wall space that you had and you used it to the fullest extent. You had visual management, visual workplace in the extreme. Like you're just one of my best examples of a visual workplace. So I want to know, did that cramp your style at all? Having all this just glass, like do you, feel bad about covering the glass okay, we've got some great inside walls too and all your favorite artifact <laughs> artifacts are still there elizabeth okay. we've got our open pay board there what levels people are at how much money they're making way down at the other end you probably can't see it our what we call our work authorization boards uh we still have our sort of menlo crafted inspirational posters with uh, the sayings that are most important to us. So yes, um, it, every office that we've had, and this is the fourth office in our history, presented new challenges. And I will say the basement had its own challenges in the, in that wall you're remembering, because that particular wall, while it was wonderful and it was huge and we could put, but we would put everything on that wall. And if you were way down at the other end of the room and you wanted to see visual management, you'd have to go all the way over to that wall and then back again. Now the wall space we use is much closer to where the work is actually being done. So I don't know that we have quite as much wall space as we did in the other place, but it's not far off. Um, that's fascinating. And does it give people more... Like, are the pears still kind of out in the open or the pears? Okay, so you kept that. Let me let me just go show you. What the heck? Crazy, I mean, we're getting a tour. You would, we're you getting a tour. You wouldn't expect <laughs> anything tour. less from the, let's run the experiment, guy. <laughs> no. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. So, He's taking us. Here's Lisa and Sarah. This is where I sit. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I can't see us on his phone or that's like, looks like we're on his phone. Yeah. Here's some of the boards you have. Here's yeah. a pair of people working together. Yeah. Oh yeah. So really open still. Really open. Which is great. Still very open. I'm loving this. Um, now we do have, and, and we had this before, but you know, for example, here's, 
Alex and Scott, and Scott's on the computer. Hello. And yeah, uh, <laughs> Alex is keeping herself safe or us safe uh, with a mask right now. So maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> nice. From three weeks of feeling cold. So I just thought everybody else is a me too. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Thanks for keeping us safe. So again, that just gives you a little bit of sense of uh, uh, the. the the things that have changed, obviously the space itself, but a lot of the basic principles of Menlo, working in an open and collaborative work environment, working shoulder to shoulder in pairs, having the visual management systems nearby, all of that is still present here. Mm -hmm. One safety note, or just check. So on a column, I saw as you pass by a dartboard. And I yeah. just wanna say, you gotta be pretty good with your aim because there's no forgiveness on that dartboard. If you hit it, if you miss it, you are going into somebody's office or just tell me. Yeah. Shoulder. Number one, let me just say, if there were darts and there are none, oh, okay. <laughs> they would be plastic tipped because that's the kind of dartboard it is. The reason for the dartboard, and you may or may not remember this, is the dartboard is what calls our daily stand-up meeting. So there's an alarm clock in the dartboard. We've programmed it to go off at 10 o'clock and bong, bong, bong at 10 o'clock every morning. Everybody stands up and gathers in a circle called by the dartboard. And, you know, Tracy, I love the laugh because who who would call a business meeting with a dartboard alarm clock? I mean, why does a dartboard need an alarm clock in the first place? I have no idea. Uh, but you know that's that's sort of the whimsy of Menlo. Yeah. If we hmm. if we have a choice between doing something the old fashioned boring way and doing it with a little bit of fun, a little bit of whimsy, we're going to choose whimsy every time. My kind of people, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thank you for the tour. That was cool. So I have a question for you. So you have a new facility, and you know, of course, COVID hit. Nobody's going anywhere now. So are you still doing the tours? And if so, uh, you know, what, what they, they're going to the new, they're going to the new facility. Have you had a lot of tours? Well, so here was the cool adaptation we made early on in the pandemic. Uh, it was a really neat moment. Uh, a friend of mine, Skip Stewart down at Baptist Memorial health no, was Skip. calling me one day and he said, Rich, um, how have you guys adjusted? I mean, you you were all together and, you know, in a big room. And and I asked him, I said, Skip, would you like to see? And he said, what do you mean? I said, would you like to take a virtual tour of the virtual memo? And he's like, you can do that? I said, I have no idea. Let's run the experiment. <laughs> um, zoom forward. We, we learned how to do that. We did it well. We started advertising. People started coming. 77 countries, 47 U.S. states came throughout the pandemic all over the world. Click of a button, you're here. Click of a button, you're home. And so this is one of those emerge stronger moments because now we still do virtual tours and virtual classes, not exclusively anymore like then. Now it's a, now it's a video tour of the real Menlo, uh, not a virtual tour of the virtual Menlo. Uh, but now we offer both. So you can come in in person. You can come in virtually. That is cool. I love I it. I would have come virtually. I don't know how I missed that. 
That would have been fun. I'll just sign up now. <laughs> there you go. See, you can just come and visit. Now, you got a version of it just now. We, we just got the teaser tour. Yeah. That's right. The teaser tour. Um, so this is kind of, uh, this is from one of your books, and it just always stuck with me, um, that you told a story about, it was bring your kid to work day, and you brought your daughter to work, and this is a previous role you had, a uh, previous incarnation. And at the end of the day, you know, she sat in the office while you had meetings and whatnot, took calls. And at the end of the day, you asked, you know, how was that day? And I'm paraphrasing and you can do this better. But the uh, her basic reaction was, well, you are clearly really important. And you were like, why, why would you think that? She said, well, because everyone has to check with you before they do anything, you know, yeah. and that that was this big realization for you. And I've done all this leadership work and you're kind of the embodiment. I think what, what I would call the interactive leader, right? Sort of that's the kind of person who it's not, you know, what's my vision. It's what's our vision. And it's not my direction. It's what, you know, what's our direction. And it's kind of interesting because it's not, um, it sounds kind of loose, but it actually asks a lot of the people around you. It's saying you're, you're leading with me. Right. And so there's actually a lot of accountability there. So I want to know, had your approach, has your approach to having that style of leadership shifted over time? Like, have you seen it morph, you know, from that moment? Well, that was an important moment for me because I realized that uh, I had probably spent a career trying to be seen as the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> and, you know, my voice, I'm sure, tried to drown out others. And I was probably always a good guy to work for. I don't think I was ever a tyrant or anything. Uh, but I think I really prided myself on being answer man, Mr. Fix-It. You know, come to me with problems. I'll help you solve them. And that really steals a lot of... Um, muscle building from the rest of your team. And so I, I'm sure I still have some of those qualities. Uh, you know, anybody around me would say, you know, that you can come and you can ask me, but I will assure you, there will be no one waiting outside this door, waiting for me to answer questions about things. And, um, you know, there's this whole idea of letting your team lead and uh, coaching them and, and making sure that you're available to them. I was just coaching a couple of team members the other day, and uh, they're working through a really tough problem inside the company. And I kind of looked at them and said, well, it sucks to be you right now, <laughs> but I support you. I will be there for you. And this is an incredibly valuable learning moment for you in your careers. And, um, you know, you just, you're going to have to, you're going to have to go through this uh, together. They're paired together. So they're working on it together, uh, but it's a really important leadership lesson for them that I know I had early on in my career and I had to figure it out along the way. And I can't exactly recall if I had the same mentorship that perhaps we're giving team members here, but ultimately if I stole it away, if I just said, go do this or I'll do it for you, no growth. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a that's a big part of it. Now, are there points in time where 
you know, me and my co-founder James have to explicitly lead? You bet there are. Um, if we see something and we're in, we shouldn't let it fester. We gotta, we gotta step in. And, um, you know, and I think we had quite a few of those moments during the pandemic for sure, especially, you know, we're largely back in the office now uh, that didn't happen. Even for us, that didn't happen naturally. We had a moment where it was tough. We had a moment where people were saying, well, but I'm personally more productive being at home. And, you know, and James and I thought about that statement and, and this was not expressed callously or without feeling uh, in terms of empathy for the other person. But our ultimate answer is we really don't care how productive you personally are. We are better together as a team when we're in proximity of one another. And the way we characterized it was, in that room, when you're in a big room like that with everybody, help arrives without it being asked for. And you don't get that in a virtual setting. And what we mean by that is if somebody goes quiet, you know, they just sit there. Others in the room will come by and say, hey, Rich, what's up? What do you mean, what's up? Well, you seem really quiet. And that's not like you. Is there anything you need help with? <laughs> Well, no, not really. I mean, I'm working on, but what's the problem you're working on? Well, it's this and this and this. And, you know, James and I are arguing about something we can't agree. Oh, great. Well, how about if we help you with that? Help arrived without it being asked for. Doesn't happen very often or, or uh, very easily in a virtual only environment. And That's fascinating. I, we were just discussing this earlier, just as a general topic, like back to work. And I hadn't thought about whether you had that made that shift and what kind of a shift it was. So I'm just going to take two leadership phrases from you. That sucks for you. And we, I really don't care. Um, and I, and I'm going to hold on to those because, cause they are instructive, you know, they're funny, but they're instructive. And then you paraphrase something Tracy and I recently interviewed a, another keynoter like yourself at the upcoming AME conference who said, if you, if you uh, fight their battles, you steal their victories. Mm. That's kind of what I think you recognized okay. in that moment. You're not okay. building those skills. I think that might be a poster on the wall. <laughs> oh, good. I mean, I mean, well, it should be, you know, <laughs> we should. <laughs> it, it definitely should be. It definitely should well, be. Well, you know, I was also thinking of, of myself. I don't like, I don't, I'm not very good at asking for help. And mm -hmm. there seems to be a lot of people <laughs> like that. And I think, I think we even talked about that at your tour as well. Um, and so you're sort of, people recognize, oh, sometimes we don't really even know we need help. And you're basically creating an environment saying, hey, this is this is where it, that will happen. It's not like somebody's going to text you and say, do you need help? doesn't really have the same feeling. So I get that. So I wonder, are you, um, so you are, so I'm anxious to hear what you're going to be talking about at the keynote when you go to AME. So I was wondering about that too. Like, I wonder if he's going to cover this in his keynote. So you're going to AME. We are so excited that we get to see you in person. And well, we were wondering what uh, what might you be talking about without like giving away the farm? Sure. Um, so uh, at 
AME 2019, when I spoke in Chicago, I introduced to that crowd an airplane model. Remember it. I talked about the lift of human energy overcoming the weight of bureaucracy and the thrust of purpose overcoming the drag of fear. And this particular talk is going to drive in on two big topics. How do we fight fear? How do we embrace change? And how could we use this simple phrase that is driven inside of Menlo uh, to cause all kinds of things to improve? And the talk will largely be centered on this simple phrase we use over and over again here, run the experiment. Mm. And so the talk will largely be on fight fear, embrace change, run the experiment. And uh, and obviously my my uh, chief storyteller title will kick into high gear and I will show, <laughs> share stories of experiments that have worked, experiments that haven't, um, experiments that others have tried that I've been able to personally witness. Uh, and it is really to leave people with this idea that um, if you want to improve the energy of your culture, you should establish a culture that is more likely to take action over take a meeting. Mm, nice. Mm -hmm. That's good. There's a poster too. Well, maybe Tracy and I'll put that up in the cafe. Yeah, there's a poster there. And I can't wait for more stories, especially the ones at dinner. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm waiting for, Rich, is the stories at dinner. No, he's giving us a big no on that, Tracy. <laughs> oh, man, that's so great. So, uh, Rich, it's so great to get you back at the cafe many books later. Of course, we're going to talk about your, yeah, I know there's another book in you. Uh, so at some point, we'll get to talk to you about that. And uh, how would our listeners best reach you if they wanted? You know, I have been really a good Boy Scout about keeping up with all things LinkedIn. Mm. So if you connect with me there, especially if you mention this podcast and say, I heard a great, you know, conversation with Elizabeth and Tracy, uh, I will just automatically accept your LinkedIn request. If you send me the generic one, you know, just <laughs> Not might so much. ignore it. Uh, you know, I need to know why you're reaching out and these kind of talks that inspire people. I always want to connect with people who connect with you guys. And, um, and then finally, if you want to write me on LinkedIn, I'm really good, actually really good about keeping up with messages there. I will second that. Rich has been a great correspondent and uh, a big supporter of the cafe. And we cannot wait to see you in Cleveland. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. See you there. All right. Thank Take you. care, guys. sure to register for our next webinar on October 19th with guest host Peter Cullen with two decades as the continuous improvement lead and master black belt for Shell Global Mobility. The webinar is titled, I love this, Causal Reasoning, Lean Special Sauce for Root Cause Analysis. Because trust me, root cause analysis needs some spicing up sometimes. And if you ever wanted more out of your fish bones and five whys, Peter has a flair for making learning a joyful experience, which is why we love him. And have you ordered Elizabeth's book yet? Be sure to get a copy of the best-selling Picture Yourself a Leader because you are one whether you know it or not, and you can get better at it. All the, all the links are below.
Be sure to check out Baby Got Tools, Tracy's new hit lean parody rap video. It will pump you up to crush waste. And hey, would you like to meet up with me and Elizabeth? Well, we want to meet you. So come to the AME Association for Manufacturing Excellence Annual Conference in Cleveland from October 30th to November 2nd. Come hang with us. We want to meet you. We'll leave you the registration link on our website. Lastly, Elizabeth and I are reissuing our book, The Problem Solvers Toolkit, this fall. The demand for our guidebook keeps increasing. So Elizabeth and I are giving it some TLC, and we're going to be posting that and relaunching it soon. Stay tuned for all the news by joining our community at the Just In Time Cafe. Thanks again. We love your company. The Just In Time Cafe is a great place to spend your time and... We are dedicated to using all resources at hand and making us the best we can be one episode at a time. Join us next month and every month for your jolt of lean caffeine.